What you cooking, Mom? What? <laughs> 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 fucking cut. Now I'm gonna you go buy. No, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna go purchase one. That's the problem. This this ain't for me. I was like, you know, the background is mom and dad was addicted to crack cocaine, okay. right? So jump up. Uh oh, that boy gave me the finger. There you go. All praises to the Most High. Hi, how are you? I am Doc Holiday, host of the Doc Holiday Show, and welcome to another episode of the Doc Holiday Show, where we love to uplift black men. Black woman, black teen, black child, black royalty, and I am joined by another black royal today, Miss LaShonda Hawkins. Miss Hawkins, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for joining us here on the Doc Holiday Show. First of all, tell the you know what, don't don't worry about talking to the people. Talk to me. Okay. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Where you from? What neighborhood? Just just tell me where you're from. I'm from Memphis. I'm from Walker Home. Um, I'm an author, I write books. Um, I got a cosmetic line, Kiss by Pay, cosmetics. I'm actually in the process of working on my movie right now in uh, a play. All that. Now, hold on. Tell me about the cosmetic line again. What's the name of it? Kids by Pay. It's after my daughter, my three-year-old. Okay, I love that. Now, going back to Walker Homes, tell me about your upbringing. Siblings, parents. You know, t tell us about that. Uh, my mom has seven children, two deceased. Uh, my brother is serving life, plus 25 in prison. Um, it was... It was some, it was crazy growing up uh, or whatever. I jumped out here real early, like 13 to 14. And um, we, my mom really didn't have much or whatever. It was my stepdad that worked and handled all the bills. So, you know, my mom had to do what he said. So I'm like, man, you know, I had a good upbringing, but it was kind of rough. We had some rough patches too, financially. So, Tell me about them, them them rough patches growing up because I tell people now, even though we're not the finished product, you're not the finished product, but you're doing a lot of great things now. But in order to get to this point, you had a lot of things you had to overcome. Yes. So talk about those rough yes. patches growing up because you're not the only one who's going through that. So they'll right. see you and be inspired by um, that. At 13, I lost my sister to full-blown AIDS. So having to be a 13-year-old, having to change diapers and clean the IV and put it in a tub. There was a lot for a 13-year-old, just having to see my sister deteriorate over time. It was, um, that was very hard for me being 13 and just seeing the last stages of AIDS and what it does to the person. It's horrible. It's horrible. And not only talking about that, just, I, I guess, the environment around, because I grew up not close, mm -hmm. you know, real close to Walker Homes. I got a lot of good friends from Walker Homes. So I understand being in that inner city environment, all these yes. temptations and obstacles you have to overcome. Talk about, you know, some of that and how rough it is growing up in the inner city and a lot of things that you have to try to, you know, kind of maneuver your way around. Well, I feel like if I had a father figure at that time, I, I wouldn't have made a lot of decisions and choices that I made. Um, my first time meeting my dad, I was probably was about 12, and my mom made me go. I resented her for a long time. And she's like, you going to go with your dad? And I'm like, man, I don't want to go with this man. I don't even know him. Mm -hmm. So she's like, go spend the weekend with your dad. So I'm like, okay. That was horrible. Um, I wanted to go home. I complained a lot. I was like, I'm just ready to go because, I, you know, I don't, I don't know him. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm 12. It took you 12 years to come into my life. So I kept complaining about wanting to go home, and I remember him. I remember that 
situation to this day clear. I was sitting on the couch, and he had been drinking, and I kept complaining, kept complaining, I'm ready to go home, I'm ready to go home. And I guess he was getting mad, and he got up and he hit me oh. in my face like a man. And um, I think to me sometimes I feel like my dad opened up doors to abuse for me because, I, you know, I'm a survivor of domestic violence. So um, after that, I hated him. For a long time because that was my first time meeting you and that's how you treated me so i didn't want anything to do with him and talk about what did that put you in an emotional state it not put me in a dark physical. place yeah. because i always wanted a relationship with my dad so you know you know you being a kid you know you meeting your dad for the first time you already hesitant like you know i don't know this man but i'm gonna try it out mm-hmm. and um i just that's, that's a day i never forget you know my dad fought me like a man if it wasn't for his girlfriend, um, she intervened, and she was like, get your hands off of her. You know, it was real bad for me. How did that affect you, I guess, having that relationship and that encounter? Because it does affect a, a I think, kid. I think that affected me as I continued to move forward in life with men. Because right after that, um, I got pregnant with my daughter at 16, and her dad shot at me, and the bullets grazed the left side of my head. So at a point in time, I felt like that was okay. You know, I, I feel like, you know, he loved me. I feel like, you know, this abuse is okay, you know, long as he don't kill me. But even when he even when he came to kill me, I looked at it because I'm still young. Mm-hmm. I was just 17. I was like, well, I didn't die. You know, I hit that immature mindset. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm okay. And I kept going back and forth because – my family was so divided, so financially he was there. You know, he I, I was in school. I was still in school. I was in 12th grade. So he took her uniforms, books, paper, all of that. And plus he was 25 years older than me. 25 years older than yes. you. Not 25 years old, 25 years older than yeah. you. Okay. Like my dad age. Okay. First drink, first smoke, first everything. And, and let me ask you this, because, I mean, there are other young girls and women that are going through similar situations. Is the do you think the fact of the the lack of relationship you had with your dad yes, had you seek out an older yes, guy? And, yes, because like I said, my mom was in the home. You know, my mom didn't work. You know, my stepdad worked, mm-hmm. and um, we we barely didn't get along because I really wanted a relationship with my dad, but it just didn't go like that. And I I still say to this day that. My dad opened up abuse because my dad was very abusive to women. He was abusive to my mom. He has a history of domestic violence with women. And so that's why I tell people that we have to be careful what we do now because it might not get you, but if you got children, your your children can catch it uh, on down the line. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm real mindful today of what I do and the decisions I make because it might bypass me and my kids to get it. So... And just just dealing with that, the domestic abuse with your dad, and just being in that situation, then get into uh, uh, abusive relationships. How did that frame, I guess, some of the decisions and mistakes that you made? Because a lot of you know, it's a lot of women think that's okay, and a lot of punk ass dudes think that's okay too to be putting your hand. And I would say, put me on too, 
putting your hands on a woman, man, that's the weakest yeah. shit you could ever do. We don't do that. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So it's tell never. me that. How did that make you know mold? I guess decisions you made to where you think because they put you in a, li- a lifestyle and a frame of mind that you think this is okay. So then you start well, making other be, mistakes. To be honest with you, I feel like I had to deal with it because he was taking care of me. I was still a kid. Mm-hmm. He was taking care of me financially. Like I didn't have a job. You know, I, I'm finna have this man baby. You know, so I'm like, my mom actually wanted to put him in jail. I remember a time where he had fought me, and uh, my mom actually was finna kill him. And um, I'm glad she didn't, you know, because I, I would have felt bad, you know, my mom sitting in jail for killing him. But um, it was it was crazy. It was I went through some rough patches with that man. Um today we're in a better space today because I'm older. You know, I'm a woman now, I'm not a little girl anymore. So I just want people to know that abuse is never okay. Like it's never okay. Toxic is toxic. Is that one of the messages I guess you give when toxic you talk to Toxic is toxic. Yeah. Let it go. Let it go. But I had a good support system that that Prayed. I had people praying for me that I get out of that relationship with that man because I feel like I had this child with him. I'm young. I'm attached to him. So I'm like, man, I can't leave this man. And it's like when I try to leave, he would get more abusive. Like I remember even a time where I hit my baby. My daughter, she's actually about to be 17. I hit, She was like a little bit of baby. I hit her on my arm, and he was so upset with me. I don't remember. And um, he hit me in my jaw, and he tore two ligaments in my left jaw. And I remember having to call my sister. I was like, please, can you play like you mama? Because I'm at the hospital. And Is that Tasha over there? Is another one? Uh-uh. That was another one. Okay. Another okay. one. Right, I said, right. can you please play mama? Because if mama found out about this, mama's going to, like, kill him, like, for real. So my sister played mama, you know, because they was like, you know, where your mom at? I was like, let me call my sister right quick. I'm like, can you please? But my sister was so angry. But I, I feel like he was all that I need. I got this baby by him. Like, I love this man. You know, you got to think about being a young girl. Everything I did with him was first. So he had that control over mm. me. My mind, my body, he just, he was very controlling. And what do you tell, I guess, young girls who are in similar Because when I was in high school, we saw the grown-ass dudes come and picking up the girls. Like, God yep. dang, bro. You damn near 50, man. She's 16, yep. 17. It's but happening. they selling dope. They got the loot. And that's, you know, it's it looks happening. attractive. So what do you tell, you know, young girls who are in similar situations? Man, that you, please don't fall for it. Please. But that's because, easy to say, though. But, but, but the money is the bait. Mm-hmm. The money is what's going to bait you in. And that's gonna, it's going to become a control thing because that's how he baited me in. It was money. Uh, uniforms, books, papers, uh, things that I needed for school. So that was the bait. And then he started having control over me, you know, whatever I say goes. And I started looking at him actually as a father figure. It's crazy, mm-hmm. but, you know, because he was older. And everything that I wanted my dad to do, he was actually doing it for me financially. Because my dad was living his best life. You know, I was the child that my dad didn't want. Wow. I mean, I, I know that had it negatively impact you as well. How many kids does, did your dad have? Um, or does he have? It's probably a lot. A lot? Yeah. But how, how, how is that, though? Because you're seeing that he has these other kids. Well, he, he ma- actually got uh, great relationships uh, with the other kids. It's just me. That, yeah, that's what I was referring to. Uh, how did that make you, you feel? Think about it. I was the one that he didn't want. Mm-hmm. So how did that affect your decisions? It affected me. 
bad because I always wanted, like, why did he want me? Do my dad love me? And, and you, so I started looking for love exactly. and men. That's why I was going with looking that. For love and men. And that caused you to make some decisions? Bad, and poor decisions, poor decisions. But you know what? I wouldn't even take anything back because I wouldn't be here in this chair right now talking to you. So I had to go through that. But now that I know better, you know, I have a daughter. Mm-hmm. I have a 17-year-old and I have a 3-year-old. Uh, I'm their protector, so I protect them at all times because I know this is happening because it was happening then. It was probably happening when my mama was younger. So I'm just a big protector of my daughters. I know my son, he got it. He's 16. But my daughters, I keep a close eye on them because I know it's some sick people. And, you know, when, when, when I look back, I'm like, well, you know, it wasn't nothing wrong with it, but now that I got kids, I'm like, it's a lot wrong with mm-hmm. it. It's a lot wrong with grown men wanting children. It don't matter how grown the the, the girl acts, she's still a kid because mm-hmm. they have their kid mindset. And just doing that because I know yeah, we are we, we briefly talk even dealing with the domestic violence with your dad and then being in an uh, abusive relationship. You made other mistakes as well. Yeah, you know, I was a smart girl, graduated from with honors from Mitchell High School, but it was still a side of me that wanted a taste of this other life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I got curious. I started having friends, you know, going down to New Orleans dancing. So I'm like, okay, it's kind of, I'm kind of tired of being a little lying girl. So I want to, you know, get a taste of this street life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I started stripping uh, for a while, and, man, it just, it was fun. I loved it. The money was fast, and I didn't have to clock in no nine to five. I made my own rules. I can get up when I want to, go make money when I want to. And that was my way, actually, to be honest with you. I felt like I had been used by men, so this was, I finna use y'all for what I want, because y'all use me for what I want. So that's how I got in that field with stripping for a while. But what I mean, because I, I, a lot of women, a lot of young girls feel that way. But it's 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 the downside to that too. Now, yes, a lot of it it ain't it's 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 not a glamorous life. I mean, because a lot of times I had to be high, or I had to be intoxicated to go dance and make money. It's not all what it appeared to be. And that's the thing, and that's one because we're gonna get to your accomplishments. But I love the the backstory because it's a, all of us uh, have gone through something and made mistakes. Now, I, I poured out just some of mine. I, yeah. I don't even dare, you know, all the stuff I didn't did. But I'm just saying, but just talking about that from stripping and doing the drugs and all that, I'm pretty sure that that caused you to get into some trouble as well. Just Yeah, it did. Um, I actually tried to commit suicide three times because I just did not want to live anymore because um, everything was just hitting me at one time. Like, I got these kids and their dads over here, and I'm this single parent. It was just a lot at one time. I didn't been homeless with them. Like, me and the big kids, we went through a lot of things together. So it's like when I look at them, a lot of people say they my little brother and sister, but we, we actually grew together. And um, I went through another relationship after that, uh, once I finally got her dad out of my system. But that was the longest relationship that I was in. It was seven years. But it was definitely abusing that, too. And um, I put up with it again because I didn't have that close support system from my family. So 
He was like the provider. You know, he actually took me out of the strip club when he met me. He didn't want me to dance no more because I was making my own money. So I think that I got comfortable. And things started out real good, but the abuse started happening. But I I stayed quiet because I'm like, everybody thought that we was this picture-perfect couple, you know, like the bunny and Clyde. When you saw him, you saw me on the right-hand side of him. But I was going through hell. I was going through hell, and my kids were seeing it, and they was getting older, you know. And he was really like the father, a father figure to the big kids. Um, but I couldn't have it no more because people started seeing my face. And then I had I had to start wearing makeup to cover up the black eyes and stuff. And then he got real bad where, you know, he had hit me in my head uh, with the urn. Then I had I started going to the hospital. He was he was like damaging me, and I was like, you know, I got to figure out a way to get out of this. I knew that I couldn't go to my family because they really wasn't the support. He was in the streets, you know. what I'm saying he was taking care of the business and stuff like that. If I had a job, it just a little job to cover up the lifestyle that we was living at that time. So um, I just got tired of it, and uh, I went to jail. And I believe that's what saved me because I probably would have been dead because it was that much fighting going on um, where somebody was going to die, either me or him. Somebody was going to die. Like, it was bad. Guns was being pulled, and, you know, it was rough. And then, you know, it got real bad that when I did try to leave, he would come looking for me. So I had to go places where I know he wouldn't he wouldn't know I would be. So I'ma go back to jail. Jail saved me because I would have been still in a relationship with him. So when I went to jail, because we got to fight, I wanted my clothes and my kids' clothes out of the storage and he wouldn't give it to me. And so he was like, I'm not giving you nothing. You know, you pay me the money that I paid for the storage, and I was like, my kids don't have no clothes. You know, me and him don't have any kids together, so I'm like, my kids don't have no clothes. Can you just please get the kids their clothes or whatever? You ain't got to worry about me. Mm-hmm. I give me some more clothes when my kids need their clothes. And he was like, okay, follow me, follow me to the back of the storage. I said, okay, cool. So when I went to the back and I got out the car, this when he struck me. He struck me so hard. My kids was in the car. They was probably about seven or eight at the time, but I know they remember because my daughter, my oldest daughter, she brings it up, and she always tells me that she hates him. And um, he struck me. He hit me so hard, he knocked me on the ground. I, I blacked out. And um, he was like, I'm not giving you I shit. Give, I ain't giving you shit. Yeah. I, I just was lost for words. Um, so we're fighting... And the lady from the front, she ended up calling the uh, where they the sheriff at the time out there in Raleigh. She called the sheriff, and they came, and it was so crazy because he didn't go to jail. I did. So when they got on the scene, they said I was the aggressor, but I was trying to explain to them, look, I was just, you know, I'm trying to show them the text messages and stuff. They like, we don't want to hear it with you, cause I, cause I think him and the woman at the time at the stores there was the clerk. Him and her had something going. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I found that later on uh, down the line that they had something going. But she lied and made it seem like it was me. Mm-hmm. 
So I was like, you know, y'all can run the cameras big. Y'all run the cameras big. They would not run the cameras big. And I was showing them uh, pictures, you know, or whatever. They they didn't want to hear nothing that I had to say. They said, uh, you got 15, 10 minutes to call somebody to come get your kids or your kids or we can take your kids. So I'm like, wait a minute, why am I going to jail and he's not going to jail? He struck me first. They said that. He was bleeding, his glasses was broken, he had visible bruises. But I'm like, okay, I was trying to get him off of me. He was choking me, and he, you know, he, he was punching me in my face. They didn't want to hear none of this. They told me I got 10 minutes to get somebody on the phone, come get your kids. So I'm scrambling. I'm like, who I'm finna call? I called my best friend at the time. She had worked, so I called my little sister on my dad's side, actually. And I said, can you please come up here? I come get my kids. I said, I really ain't got time to explain what happened up here over there, but I'm finna go to jail. I call you from jail. Just come get my kids. So I sent, I sent her the location. So they was like, well, step out the car, you know, you're being on arrest. And then the look, the look that he gave me, he laughed in my face. Like, okay, B, you know. Because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, you could at least get my kids and took them to their grandmama. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, he did not. But the whole time, the reason why he wouldn't let me get anything out of the story is because he had moved on with his life with an ex-friend of mine. Oh, wow. So all those situations, domestic abuse, family abuse, Going to jail. And I, pre- I I know you mentioned sometimes, you know, you, you've you been a victim of sexual abuse as yeah, well. Yeah, with, with one of my family members about four years ago. And um, that devastated me because you don't think with your family, your family will even pull that type of stuff on you. You know, you're supposed to feel protected. You know, family protect each other, love each other. But when that day, I never forget that day, July 7, 2017, my day was the worst day of my life. I have never been violated. I done worked in a strip club, you know. You know, mm-hmm. everybody know what go on in a strip club, but I have never been violated where somebody took something from me, and and it that was the worst day. And I and I remember telling God like, why you just won't take me? Like I'm going through all of this with my family and all these people. Like why I, I didn't even deserve mm-hmm. it, and it's so crazy because with black in the black families. You know, you know, we like to sweep everything under the rug. Yeah, you know, it happened. Yeah. We ain't gonna talk about it. Hey, this this how it's gonna be. So I stayed silent for some years, for some years, and I was like, man, I can't even believe some of my family members took sides with the situation. You know, they they made me feel like I deserved it. You know, I saying? it was my nephew that did it to me. Mm. So it was like some more hurt on top of hurt, on top of hurt, on top of hurt. So. What I did for myself, I reached out and I got me some counseling for everything from the beginning up until uh, the last incident with the sexual assault. And it really helped me. It helped me. That was the best decision because at first when they came to me, I was like, I don't want no counseling. I'm good. I don't need nothing wrong with me. I'm straight. I know how to handle my emotions and all this. No idea. I wasn't good. I was just putting on it, you know, dressing yeah. it up, making it look real. But I was really hurting on the inside, and I couldn't go talk to family members because you got a family divide. You got people with opinions over here. You got people with opinions over there. So I'm like, I can't go talk to them. So I distanced myself with them. And some of my, I haven't talked to them in four years. But despite all of that, 
Everything you just said, you did not. Here you are now. Tell us about what you got going on because you saw your way through all of that. Yes, I did. Still seeing your way through a lot of because a lot of us are going through some things, and you're going to help a whole bunch of people about what you're sharing right now. So, all of that you've overcome and you're still overcoming. Talk about where you are right now because I think you got a conference. You got all kinds of stuff going on. Strong black woman stuff. Well, Strong queen stuff going. Well, I can tell you this: I'm no longer broken. I'm no longer shattered. I'm no longer damaged. I'm completely healed. Um, I'm excited because I'm dropping my second book, Shattered Pieces, September the 26th. I got this conference. She knew her worth, conference 2021. Um, this conference is like my baby. You know, it means a lot to me because I've been working on it for a while. And, you know, I get distracted. I don't want to do it. You know how mm. we be. We'll start something. don't want to finish it. But I said to myself, it's so many women. It's just so many people that don't even know their worth. And I'm now just going to say when it comes to a man, we don't know our worth. Sometimes in friendships, mm-hmm. business relationships, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's it just it don't necessarily have to deal with a man. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this event is going to take women because we always, we can't continue to walk through life with a victim mentality. At some point, you're going to have to deal with reality. You're going to have to look in that mirror and you know what? This this how it worked for me. Once I started getting the counseling and stuff, I looked in the mirror and I took accountability because a lot of things I caused if I would have just paid attention to the real signs. So I took myself through a lot of things as well. So when I started holding myself accountable, it's like, you know what? I need the accountability. So now I need to forgive me. Because I kept, I kept, I'm like, you know, and people will try to make you feel bad on about things that you have done. I had to forgive myself for the bad decisions and choices that I made. And I've been able to move forward ever since. Can't nobody make me feel bad. Can't nobody make me feel low. I'm in a great space. I just want to help others. We are no longer prisoners of our past. We got to move past that past. We got bright futures. I want to help women, mind walking into their purpose. And what point did you get to when you said, you know what, enough of this shit. Now I got to, you know what, I got to see what Sean the Hawkins is about. I mean, all this other crap, well, I got to deal with me. What point well, did I'll you tell you, um, last year, I was in a really bad car wreck. I, think, I don't know if I told you no, that when no. I talked. I was in a real bad car wreck, and um, it was bad because I almost died. And I remember... Being in that car, I wasn't even scared to die when my daughter's dad shot at me. I was, you know, about their life. But it was something different this time where I was really scared to die because I knew that I wasn't ready. And the the car was actually about to flip over. I wasn't the driver. It was a guy that my ex that I was dating at that time, um, he was falling asleep behind the wheel. And I believe that he was high. Now, prior to the rig, he had just got a ticket for going 104 in a 65. We was coming back from Florida. That was the warning. You know how yeah, people say yeah. the warning come before the destruction. Mm-hmm. And I kept asking him. I was like, look, let me drive. I got this. I got this. I'm like, no, nah, because you swerving. Because I was trying to take a nap on the passenger side. And I actually had just started fasting. I had started my 21-day fast. And I had already been asking God to reveal to me who who is this that I'm dealing with because it was too, it was some more things prior yeah. to this because I'm like, no, nah, some things ain't right. So 
I had just got off of prayer. Probably about 30 minutes of Zoom or our prayer. And boom, that wreck happened. It was pitch black. I remember we no street lights. You know, we on the highway. Yeah. And it was raining. And I looked over at him, and it was too late. I was screaming. I was hollering. I was pleading. I was begging God, please don't take us in this car. I didn't have time to think about my children. I didn't have time to think about none of y'all, nobody. I was making peace with the most high because I seen the car finna flip over. I said, it's over. It's over. So I took my arm and covered my face because I seen the car finna flip over. And I, in my mind, I was saying, okay, if I cover my face, well, at least my mama would be able to identify me. Mm. I, you know, yeah, that's what my yeah, mind was thinking yeah. at the time. So I won't, you know, at least my face won't be, you know, yeah. too messed up. Yeah. She'll know who I am. So I remember calling on the name of Jesus. I cannot make this up. Their car was finna flip over. But I don't know what it was on the side of their road. It was something real hard because all the damage was on my side. Mm-hmm. Nothing was on his side. All the damage was on my side. I don't know, the car just landed and spent and just went this way and it was and just stopped. I heard my arm. I heard, I said, my arm. I kept crying. I said, my arm, my arm, my arm. I knew my arm was broke. I knew it. So my legs was jammed in, uh, on the passenger side with a glove compartment. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get me out of the car. I'm like, oh, Lord, I know I'm not finna die in here. Y'all tried to get me out. He couldn't get me out. I'm like, it was a man I remember pulling over on the side of the road. And uh, he was just telling me because I was panicking. He was like, uh, baby girl, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. I was, I was panicking, you know, yeah. I was panicking. And um, he called the paramedics. It took them probably like 10 minutes to calm. But it took that, uh, the paramedics like 25 minutes to cut me out of their car. And I remember that man telling me, he said, it have never took us this long. He said, I've, I've been a paramedic for 20, 20, 25 years. He said, you lucky. And I, I was crying, and I said, no, I'm blessed. And I've been walking the straight path ever since because i seen, I seen it. Mm-hmm. i seen my life last. So I said, if you would have seen that car, you would have been like, oh, no, and did nobody die? Because all the damage was on my side. But yeah. one thing I do know about God, see, he allowed things to happen to get our attention. That, that, that relationship wasn't for me. Because mm-hmm. it's God still got things for me to do. So the devil thought he was going to clear me on up out of here. But God said, no, nah, he kept his hands on me. So I've been walking a clear path ever since. That's why I'm walking to my calling on my right. I'm just ready to do what it is that God needs me to do for his people. I'm just a vessel. It's nothing to be ashamed about. We all have been through things. We all have made bad choices. We all have made mistakes. But we can't keep making these same decisions. That's why I decided to be single and celibate and focus on me and what it is that God needs me to do. In this conference, he been told me to do this conference, but because of my disobedience. See, I was disobedient. Mm-hmm. I ain't ashamed to say it. Yeah. I was disobedient. See, now he got me all to him. I could do what I need to do. 
All praises to the Most High. Now tell us again the name of the book, where they can find the book, and the conference, and whatever else you got going on because it deserves to be elevated and celebrated. Ain't that right, Cash? It's elevated and celebrated. So um, the book is dropping September 26th. It's my birthday, actually. Um, Shatter Pieces, it'll be available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, the conference is October the 23rd. Yeah, from 3 to 6. I think the address what is it on Hair Square. 23rd. It's the 23rd. You're you going to give us information yeah. to cast them again. I yeah, but Productions the conference is coming up, yeah. uh, so I'm excited about yeah. that. Tickets are on sale, Eventbrite, or, you know, Cash App, however people want to do it. Some people been just, you know, that know me personally, just been, you know, coming, giving me the money. So this, this conference, these people going to be in for a treat. I got some good speakers. Offer. Some lives going to be changed that day. That's what I'm talking about. Some made of minds. Some people gonna make their minds up on which way they want to go. Yeah, because ain't ain't two sides. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna the winning side with the most side. Yeah, it's losing if you don't know. Yep, side. yep. So um, I, I'm so excited about that. I'm actually working with um, Macmillan Productions uh on my play. Uh, so we're about to start writing the script for the play. I'm working with Dale Juan Coleman on the movie. So right after the conference, I'm finna start filming the movie. Okay. And I'm also working with one more person. These good people I'm working with, Rock Diesel. So we all a team. We working together for the same dream, same vision for me. So I'm excited. Good. Anything else you want to add? Man, I'm blessed. Just remember, like, toxic is toxic. And I'm going to tell you something, too, because even with family, if family members toxic, you got to step away from that, too. Not just in relationships. Family members can be toxic, too. Yeah, jab the ass. Stiff on them. I'll holler yeah. at you. Cause I don't deal with no bullshit from right, nobody. I don't right, you go. gotta, you gotta let them go too. So now I got boundaries set with them, and it's you know, they, it, they ain't like you know people don't like boundaries. So I don't give a shit. I mean, it's like I don't give a damn. I, that's how I'm and, living. And, and, it, that's, it, and that's my it, attitude. It is what it is. It is what it is. So y'all can follow me on Instagram, Lashonda Hawkins, Facebook, Lashonda Hawkins. So I'm just grateful for this opportunity. To just share my story because there's so many people be like, uh-uh, I ain't going to share my story. I'm ashamed. They're going to judge me. Let me tell y'all something. They're going to judge you anyway. Facts. They're going to judge you anyway. Some 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 people I told you when I talked to you, I said I had to get somebody told because they were trying to bring up my past as a stripper. I said, you still there? Yeah. I don't live there no more. Yeah. Jesus dropped the charge. I'm, you still there? Yeah. It's going to be 2022. Mm-hmm. Nobody can make me feel bad about nothing I did. And God already discussed it. I'm good. It's between y'all. You yeah, and the most high. That's it. I got you. Oh, this this where I'm at. I'm in a good space. His face. Well, Miss LaShonda Hawkins, thank you so much for joining the Doc Holiday Show. Thanks so much for telling your story because no, I'm pretty you. sure. That's how, it's, 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 it's the most high. It makes everything, you know, available. So thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Doc Holiday Show where we love to uplift black men, black woman, black teen, black child. Until next time. No, thank you all for watching again. And appreciate the support. Cast, are they supporting Cast? Are, you sure? Are they like, are you dinging and dinging? Are y'all liking and subscribing? Cast and McGowan. He's screaming. He's smiling. He got the camera on. Are they, bro? Okay, yeah, y'all are. We appreciate that. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Doc Holiday Show. Until next time. What you cooking, Mom?